Well, how's everybody doing today? I feel like I'm in school carrying my school books around, so <laughs> thanks. Appreciate that. Thank you, brother. So how many needed that worship today? Absolutely. Go ahead and give him a hand. That was fantastic. I'm telling you. Thanks, Andrews. I really needed that this week because it's been a tough week. It's been one of those weeks you just really needed to hear something like that. And what a, what a fantastic way to start uh, their Sunday service. So uh, anyway, uh, it's kind of interesting how I find myself up here this, uh, this morning. This wasn't originally scheduled. So uh, Thursday evening, I find myself sitting there with my wife, and we're just kind of watching a little TV, just chatting a little bit, and I get a text from Pastor Ricky asking me that if uh, he has a situation with his family, he was going to be out of town, if I could go ahead and, uh, and uh, share a message this weekend. And, you know, after the panic finally subsided, of course, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Thursday evening. How many of you like to get a message from your pastor? Hey, could you share a message on Sunday? I mean, come on. So, uh, so after the panic kindly subsided, uh, I was said, yeah, I texted him back and said, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, and then I did, but I, what I didn't realize is that I wasn't going to have a lot of time over the next couple of days uh, to prepare the message, just to do some things that were going on. But one of the blessings, blessings that came out of this was that um, I was able to have a really robust discussion with my family as just preparing for this message. I had a few things that were on my heart that I wanted to share as I just was bouncing some ideas off of my family and getting some feedback. Started just finding this going in a different direction. And just the course of conversation, it was just really neat to see how much your kids have learned about the Word and just how much they share with you and what their thoughts are. Because usually teenagers don't talk to you. Have you found that out? <laughs> so, so in a time of panic, they helped out. Uh, but we had a really good conversation, very robust, enjoyed it. And then uh, my wife and Michelle had mentioned something about uh, uh, the word determination. And then from determination, the word brave. What does brave mean? And as she said that, my spirit kind of latched onto those words. And I started to think that, you know, what does brave really mean? What, what, is the, what does the name of this church really mean? And as I started to think more about that, I started to think also, you know, what's in a name? And that's going to be the title of my talk for today. What is in a name? And it's kind of interesting because um, as we landed on that word brave, I started to think about how many times have people really looked up what brave even means? And how many times do people really uh, understand how important a, a name is? See, to God, when he was in the Jewish people, uh, it was extremely important. Uh, your name became your identity. And often, what you hear said about you is what you'll become. And for example, God, after making a promise with Abram, changed his name to Abraham. Does anybody, a lot of people know that, right? His name started as Abram, changed to Abraham. And it meant father of many nations. So think about this. Every time he heard his name, Abraham, mentioned, what do you think he heard in his head? Father of many nations. And remember, Abraham was quite old when God made him a promise. And it took 25 years for that promise to come into reality. And through that course of time, how many times do you think he heard his name, Abraham? How many times do you think he kept reinforcing to himself, father of many nations? God also changed his wife, Sarah, to her name to Sarah, which means woman highly esteemed. And she was. Remember, she was quite old when she had her first child. And Jesus also changed the name of Simon, the apostle, to Peter, which means rock. And how many times do you think Peter, as he heard his name, he started referring to himself as a rock or starting to get that mental image? Also in the Old Testament, we find Jabez. And he was named by his mother, 
because he had caused her pain. The name Jabez means he had caused her pain. Uh, He was birthed in, in great pain to his mother. He so identified with his name that he even used it in the prayer, the prayer, the prayer of Jabez. Has anybody ever heard of the prayer of Jabez before? Many of you heard it? Some have, some haven't. I'll read it to you real quick. This is out of 1 Chronicles 4.10. 1 Chronicles 4.10. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may cause no pain. If you really look at this prayer here, I thought it was kind of interesting. First of all, this man had identified himself all of his life as probably inferior, in, in my opinion, because he was always felt with his name meant that he caused pain to people. It so affected him that he even added that to the prayer. But what was interesting to me, though he maybe had had a low self-image over his life, he still loved God enough and still knew that God could bless him, that he reached out to God and he asked God to bless him indeed, to enlarge his territory. He was brave enough to do that. He asked that God's hand would be with him and that he would keep him from evil. But that also, I liked how he ended it, that he would cause no pain. And I've prayed that many a times too. Lord, when you bless us, thank you for it, but allow me to cause no pain. Let me hurt no one. Jabez so identified with his name that he asked God to intervene. He had to have something that God could change in his mind so he understood that God could bless him and he could be more than what he thought he was. As we look at names, God even named his son Jesus with a purpose. Jesus means God is salvation or savior. So every time we hear the name Jesus, we should be thinking savior or salvation. And think about it. What was Jesus' identity? He was our savior. Every time he heard his name mentioned, he heard savior. So names are extremely important to Jews. Today, however, uh, often, we don't really look at the meanings of names. Some of us do, but a lot of times we don't look at meanings of names. We just try to come up with cute names for our kids. Does that sound about right? I mean, I, I thought of some funny names as I was thinking about this, but the one that still gets me to this day is that ABCD. Did you ever see that child named ABCD? It was hilarious, and I can't even pronounce it, but I'm thinking, okay, there's some wild names out there nowadays. People have no idea what they're talking about when they name their kids things, but it's very important. So I looked at, I figured this, I, th- I thought we'd look at a few of our names, just have a little fun here, and see what some of our names meant, what our names meant, and I thought it was quite revealing. I looked up my name, Dawn. Dawn meant the ruler of the world. Yeah, Dick. <laughs> just remember that, Michelle. <laughs> Uh, it meant chief. It meant noble. And by the way, just to let you know, some of you know this, some of you don't, that I, I had uh, overcome some cancer last year, and I'm still recovering in my salivary gland, so I'm still drinking a little bit of water. If you see me taking a break, just kind of bear with me on that, okay? Uh, but anyway, I thought, to, I thought to myself, every time I hear my name, I should think I'm noble. How, how, how would you carry yourself differently if you knew what your name meant? Andrews, I looked up your name. you love this one. Andrews in Greek means manly. <laughs> he is a manly man. You are the man, Andrews. So, uh, Eric, I also looked up your name. Eric, your name means forever ruler, always ruler. And I got a kick out of that because I thought you had your own little domain back there. You're kind of ruling your kingdom back in the back. And then I look up Pastor Rick's name. Rick means powerful. But also, and are you ready for this? Rick means brave ruler. I got a kick out of that. Isn't that wild? It means brave ruler to sit there and think the name of the church and here, here he's heading our church up. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
So let's really look at another church's name, Brave, and how do we define it? The word brave, that pops up on the screen here. Brave means ready to face and endure danger or pain, showing pain, showing courage. Endure or face unpleasant conditions or behavior without showing fear. Endure or face unpleasant conditions or behavior without showing fear. And Emily was praying up here today, is talking about fear. And I just thought, this is apropos to what she is praying today. And also, Andrews, as he was talking earlier today, I got in here a little bit earlier, I got to hear them praying over everybody. They have a prayer time beforehand if you're free, if you can get here around nine. Uh, he was even talking about confidence. And we'll see that that pops up today's talk also. So I thought this kind of lines up really well with what they were talking about today, what their prayers were. So what does it mean? What's the, uh, what is the meaning of being brave people? Brave people are courageous, dauntless, perhaps a little bit daring. So if you attend Brave Church, you're a brave person. You're part of Brave. That's your identity also. So we should be courageous. We should be dauntless. I love that word, dauntless. Doesn't that just sound good to say? Say dauntless. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> We're dauntless in our pursuits. Perhaps a little bit daring. That means you're a little bit on the edge. You don't do things like everybody else does. You take risks. It's a person who is, who is brave faces dangerous or difficult situations with courage. Have many of you had to face situations in life that it took courage to face? Let me see your hands. Yes, absolutely. We've all gone through these type of things. And what are the qualities of a brave person? What are some of our qualities? A brave person is compassionate. We have love for others. We're determined. We have a determination about ourselves. And I think somebody today up here on the worship set mentioned the word determined also. We have confidence in the face of fear. Confidence in the face of fear. That means things were going to come our way that maybe maybe be a little intimidating at times, but we're confident when we face that intimidation. And I'll end with our, and why are we so, and why is bravery so important? Why is bravery so important? The importance of bravery. When fear makes people hesitate to take risks in their life, bravery outweighs the people's fear and gives them the courage to go for risks and to achieve things in life. Bravery outweighs out, out, weighs the people's fear and gives them the courage to go for risks and achieve things in life. Do you know it takes bravery just to come to the church for the first time? If you're here for the first time, congratulations. I know it's not always comfortable going somewhere for the first time and you don't know somebody. It takes bravery to show up somewhere. So I appreciate you coming here and I'm glad you are here and you're welcome. So to summarize brave, the key words and phrases I want us to take from this. Number one is determination. We're determined. We don't take no for an answer. As I talked previously in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, um, in a message, I talked about keep stepping. We keep stepping. We're determined. We're courageous. We're daring. We're dauntless and compassionate. We're confident in the face of fear. I want you all to realize that every time you hear the word brave and you're associated with, associated with the church, that's who you are. Doesn't that sound like the type of people that we want to be associated with or the type of people that we want to be? Absolutely. This being true, there are three points I do want to cover today. And this message, I only had a couple hours to put this message together. So I, I believe something good's going to come out of this and somebody's going to get something out of it. And if it starts to go south, I told Eric to go ahead and play some music. So, <laughs> so if we start hearing some music in the background, that's my cue, all right? So anyway... Uh, this, being, 
this being true, there are three points that I want to cover today. Uh, number one is, are we brave enough to seek Jesus first above all things? Are we brave enough to seek Jesus first above all things? Number two, I'm going to cover, are we brave enough to be generous with our giving? Are we brave enough to be generous with our giving? And number three, are we brave enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we brave enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? So point one, are we brave enough to seek Jesus first above all things? And I ask this question because the world wants us to seek its pleasures first. It wants us to seek its way of doing things and all the accolades it offers. The power, the prestige, the rewards, the self-pride. And they'll attack anyone who goes against the grain. The world will tease, ridicule, and persecute anyone who goes after Jesus instead of it. Have you ever been teased, ridiculed, or persecuted, persecuted for following Jesus? Really? A few of you have. Okay. That's, 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 that's quite astounding. Because I was one of those people that used to be the one who would tease and ridicule and persecute a Christian before I got saved. There was a young man in my high school who was a solid Christian. He was a stand-up type of guy. And for whatever reason, it just bothered me. So I would tease him every time I saw him and call him a holy roller. Do whatever I could to just kind of make fun of his Jesus. But what's interesting is when I got saved, he was the first person I turned to because he, he stood up to my teasing and my ridicule. He was solid. So I knew he, had, he, I knew, he knew something that I didn't know and I wanted to get around him. See, it takes bravery to put Jesus first, folks. It's not going to be easy. However, know this, that the reward is so much greater than anything that we could ever offer, than the world could ever offer. The reward is so much greater than anything the world could ever offer. If you look at Matthew 6.33, and I know a lot of you know this scripture, but Eric brings it up. Let me read it to you quickly. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, God will give you whatever you need. It's not always what you want, but he will give you what you need. He will supply you when you earnestly seek him and not the world. But to do this, you're going to have to be brave. And that reminds me of the certain immoral woman in the book of Luke. Does he remember, remember the story of the certain immoral woman? A few of you do? Okay. Oh, this, might be, this will be fresh material for some of you then. <laughs> so the scripture is Luke 7, 36 through 50. In this scripture, it goes, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And I like to always say exclamation point. He meant that, <laughs> he really wanted to emphasize that part that she was a sinner. Now, why do I bring this woman up and why do I bring the scriptures up? Think of this certain immoral woman. And how did she start to see herself? If names identify us and we start to associate with what we hear, how do you think she was starting to identify herself? Remember, names really matter. 
Think about it. Have you ever been that certain immoral person? Thank you for somebody agreeing. Yes, so was I. I understood and I related to this person because I had been that certain immoral person before I got, uh, before I was saved. And what's interesting is it's funny that the more immoral you become, the more it's easy to do because you're identifying with that. Realize also, however, that something happened to this woman that made her want to change. Something happens to us that we finally want to change. There's something deep down inside of us that we know that we need to have a change. So let's look at what she does in verse 38. The scripture's still up there. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. This certain immoral woman heard about Jesus, and she acted she knew she needed Jesus. She was so moved in her heart that she moved. Have you ever been so moved in your heart that you moved? That it spurred you to action? Picture this woman. Picture what's been going on in her life. Think of this. Jesus was going to the home of a Pharisee. That's one of the religious righteous people in that time. The Pharisee never would have invited this woman into the, into the uh, party or to the dinner. However, she crashed the party. Have you ever crashed a party before? Come on, Phil. <laughs> I'm watching his eyes as he's analyzing. Did I do that or not? Yeah. I mean, a lot of us have crashed parties before, correct? Okay. In our, in our, in our heathen days. How about that? Is, that? is that fair? Okay. Yeah. But were you able to stay anonymous? I was at times. However, this woman was not able to stay anonymous. The certain and moral woman had entered the room. Everyone saw her. Think what the gossip was at the time when she walked into this room. What I enjoy, though, from this story is she was so determined. She was so doggedly determined. Have you ever been so doggedly determined that you locked your jaw and set your mind to something and it spurred you to action? Have you ever been that way in your life? Have you ever been so determined to do something that you didn't care what anyone said or thought? I'm seeing a lot of heads go up and down, so I'm talking to the right group. So obviously, if you've done that, you've been brave. You've experienced bravery before. See, this woman was so broken, she had to get to Jesus. She knew this was her only source of freedom. She had to get to him. And I often wondered what had happened to this certain immoral woman's life that led her to this place she was. Think about this woman first. What caused her to go ahead and live this life of sin? A person doesn't just start sleeping around with people for no reason. You know, what transpired in her life to make her get to this place of desperation. You know, I thought about it. Had, had she been abused when she was growing up? Had she been married and maybe lost her husband or total means of support and this is what she had to do? See, something brought her to this place. Realized at some point she had had enough and this was her only one shot at freedom. This was her only one shot she had. Her shot at forgiveness and wholeness. This was her shot and she was going to be brave enough to risk it all. She was going to be brave enough to risk everything. Think about it. She had no guarantee Jesus would even accept her. He could have refused to push her away. I know we know the story says that he just let her go ahead and worship him. But he could have pushed her away. I believe her pain and her yearning for, yearning for forgiveness and freedom was so intense that when she finally got to him and he accepted her, she wept. She humbled herself and she got on her knees and she wept. And I saw some of you today during worship getting up here and humbling yourself and getting on your knees in worship. 
she wept, she got to that point. And what does wept mean? I think this is an extremely important uh, part. Wept, expressing grief, sorrow, or an overpowering emotion. Could be joy by shedding tears. Used to express extreme emotion more profound than crying. This wasn't just tears. This is a, 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 a guttural, emotional response. Now, what I was wondering, though, was her, was her weeping a combination of emotions? Did it start out with deep sorrow for her behavior and all the hurts that had gone under life? And when she finally reached Jesus and she was able to touch and worship him and Jesus didn't shun her and he allowed her to touch him, did that weeping turn to joy? Did it go from the extreme pain to the time she was able to embrace Jesus to where it was extreme joy? For some of us, we carry around so much shame and guilt for things we've done in the past. Hurts and brokenness. And we, knew, we know we need a Savior. We can't do this ourselves. When we bravely come to Jesus, and may have been through those tears of sorrow, when you finally come to Christ, you might realize you have some serious pain in your life, and that's what brought you to him. But those, turn, those tears, I want to tell you, will quickly turn to joy when you realize his forgiveness. His salvation, think about it, what a release it is. What a sense of just relief to know that you've been saved. See, this woman was so brave that she risked all to be in Jesus' presence. Are you willing to be brave enough to seek Jesus first above all things? Because it's going to take bravery. Are you going to be so doggedly determined to seek him no matter what ridicule you may receive? To chase after Jesus as this woman did, you're going to have to be dauntless in your pursuit. And you have to be courageous enough to tell others no when they try to put demands on your time. You have, to have, you have to be courageous enough to face the fear that you may lose some so-called friends as you pursue Jesus. See, this certain immoral woman, she didn't care what anyone thought. She knew she had to get to Jesus, and there was no fear that was going to stop her. So my question is, are we going to do as our namesake and be brave enough to put God first in our daily life? Are we going to do as our namesake and be brave enough to put God first in our daily life? And if so, what's it look like? It could be getting up early in the day to read the word before you do anything else. Before you pick up your cell phone or whatever else you do, put God first. It can mean spending more time in prayer, really seeking God with a listening ear. Not going in with an agenda, but really allowing him to speak to you. It could be dedicating your lunch break to Bible reading time versus gossip at the lunch table. Whatever it is, you're going to have to make that decision and you're going to have to implement that plan. And if you need help, get with somebody who can help mentor you in that, but you're going to have to put a plan in place and implement it. But you can't do it if you desire it bad enough. The question is, do you desire it bad enough and we'd be brave enough to pursue Jesus first? And that's going to bring me on to my second point. Are we going to be brave in our giving? I ask this question because sometimes, there's, sometimes there can be fear associated with our giving. There can be some financial circumstances that we're facing that seem impossible to overcome. There can be times in our lives when we feel like we are in financial famine. And when that happens, you know, what do we do? There can be some times in your life when you, you just, 
had bills coming in, medical expenses, tuition for school for the kids, just something going on that just looks like it's, it's, it's almost impossible. It's insurmountable. But let's look at Genesis 26.12 for some encouragement. In Genesis 26.12, it says, Then Isaac sowed seed in that land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he planted. And the Lord favored him and blessed and favored, favored, favored him with blessings. Isaac sowed seed in that land and received in the same year, in the same year, a hundred times as much as he had planted. And the Lord favored him with blessings. See, there was a severe famine in the land at the time. We've talked about this once before, but this is a severe famine. This is the point where they don't have enough food. And Isaac had a choice. He had a choice to either use his seed for his food or to be courageous in the face of fear and sow. Think how daring it was to sow when a famine was present. He risked all he had. He was brave enough to risk all that he had. Picture if we were experiencing a true famine. What would we do? We don't really experience that here in the U.S. today. But think about that. If there was no food sources, if there were things that you couldn't have access to that your family needed, your family may be suffering and they're hungry, and all the circumstances are shouting out to you that there's no way out. It doesn't make any sense to sow. All you hear in your mind is, it's impossible. And people are panicking. And they're saying that you're crazy to even sow a seed. Picture that. Now you have a choice. Do you listen to the people who are speaking in fear, or do you take God at his word and sow? Absolutely. I really wasn't waiting for a response, but I appreciate it. That was dramatic pause. <laughs> but I appreciate it. No, because I do, I do want you to feel that way. But I want, you to, I want that to, to cause some tension in you. Because there are going to be some times when this comes up and you're going to have to understand, am I going to be brave or am I not? The choice is always yours. And that's the beauty of following God. He always gives you a choice. You can either listen to the worldly view and succumb to the fear or be brave and dare to take God at his word. And that's why, again, point number one we talked about, it's so important that you spend quality time with God first so you can learn to trust him. Time with him builds confidence and acting in confidence while fear is present is one of those definitions of brave. Now, I know this church is very generous, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of you all. Pastor Ricky mentions this often, how generous this church is. And I want to show you something. And I have no idea how this is going to turn out. This wasn't like a pre, let's, let's go ahead and do this pre-production and see what the answer is going to be. I'm just going to kind of wing it here. How many in here have ever faced a severe financial struggle that you didn't know how you're going to get out of? Let me see your hands. Wow, keep them up. We're just quite a bit of the room. Did any of you during this time dare to honor God with a seed in the form of a tithe, gift, or offering? Leave your hands up. Wow. If so, keep your hand raised. If you saw God move on your behalf and he favored you at some point, would you all please look around the room? I want you to be encouraged because when the next time comes something attacks you, you got to put your hands down. Thank you for the participation. I just think that's such a great visual to realize that struggles are going to come. Trust God at his word. And did you see how many people that had struggles that sowed a seed and God came through for them? I hope that built your confidence up. 
I hope this serves as a reminder that God will honor your faith when you're brave enough to act. He will never leave you nor abandon you when you give, brave, when you give bravely and with a cheerful heart. And that's coming from 2 Corinthians 9, 7 in Amplified Bible. I want to read this scripture to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in. He prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon and do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do a giver whose heart is in his giving. Do you see that God will not abandon you? When you're a cheerful giver, God will not leave you hanging out to dry. You can trust him. So just wrapping up the second point, it takes bravery to sow generously. And what an exciting way to live a life. Those of you that had raised your hand, isn't it exciting when God surprises you and comes through at the end? And it's not a surprise he came through. He comes through consistently. It's just such a surprise on how abundantly he comes through. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you to dare to continue trusting God and respond with courage when things don't look favorable for you and your family. And watch what God will do for you. Sow your seed to honor God and watch what he'll do. And I do want to make a little mention here real quick. Kind of like the little asterisks at the end of a commercial. Why do I bring this up to you today about giving? I don't receive anything from you by bringing that up. I know what God's done for us and our family. And I want to make sure I convey that to you so that you can also partake in what he's designed for you to partake in. And I'm so excited to see how many hands got raised. So I'm going to bring the final point up here. Now, now this will bring me to point three. Are we brave enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Point three. Are we brave enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I want to start, with, start this point with two different scriptures. First one is Matthew 10, 32. Matthew 10, 32. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But anyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. And then in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, we're instructed to share the gospel, stand for Jesus, and stand for Jesus publicly, and baptize in the Father's name. I find that this is a major area that fears it, fear attacks. A major area that fear attacks. For example, can you think of a time that you were talking to someone and you felt like you should tell them about Jesus or invite them to church? Can you all think of a time like that? Did you ever feel any fear? Show some hands if you felt any fear before. Look around the room, folks. I hope this encourages you to realize we all face fear. Listen, I can relate to you. I've been a Christian for 30 years and I still feel fear at times. I had to give blood work this week. And during that time, there was a woman that was taking my blood, and I wanted to invite her to church, and something kept pushing, like I knew I should, but I was like, I don't know what she's going to say. It's kind of awkward. And all this inner dialogue goes on. And you kind of could talk yourself out of it. But I realized, all she can tell me is no. 
Why not invite her? So I invited her to church. Did she come? I don't think so. But that's not my responsibility. My responsibility, our responsibility is just to offer. God's got a plan. So let's examine, though, why we really have fear. There's usually one of two reasons. Fear of knowing what to say. I don't know what to say to somebody. It's, and this is kind of going off my notes here, but I'm just saying, it's not always about what you say. It's not a script. It's allowing your heart to lead and guide you. And we also have a fear of response. What's the response they might give to us? They might tell us no. People have a fear of rejection. But they're not rejecting you, folks. Just share it with them and invite them. And if you think about it, are either of those reasons really life or death to us? No. But it's life or death to that person you're talking to. It's their eternal life. And that jacks me up if you think about it. You, you, you could share the gospel with somebody that changes their life forever. That's our responsibility and that's a privilege we've been given. Their eternal life is on the line and we need to be brave enough to act. We need to care enough to face the fear, react, and to face the fear and react anyway for their sake. God puts you near that person for a reason. Remember that. Every time you're talking with somebody, you're near someone, God puts you there for a reason. We need to remember what life was like for us when we weren't saved. If you can recall how it was for you when you weren't saved, it's pretty nasty at times, wasn't it? And that's what you're offering them an opportunity to come out of, a life like that. Now, I am, not, I am saying don't be weird. There's a lot of weird Christians out there. Anybody ever run into a weird Christian? Yeah, only, only three of you? <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, I hope I'm not a weird Christian to some of you. So, anyway. Yeah, I'm not saying we should go out there and, and be weird and push Jesus on them and start pushing people away. But just to be daring enough to tell them about Jesus and invite them to church. I mean, here again, that's why point number one is so crucial. Why do you need to spend time with Jesus? When we spend more time with God, we, we come closer to him, and the Holy Spirit can direct us in what we, just, what we are to say. If you're trying to figure out what am I supposed to say, spend time with God. He'll give you the words. And if you still feel a little uneasy, it's okay. Use the tools the church offers. Hand him an invite card. I really don't care if you just throw it at him and run. Okay? <laughs> just hand out a card. Okay? I am joking about that, but just use the cards. See, if Jesus says we are to acknowledge him before people, I want to do the best to do that so I can hear from my God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that also? Then invite people out and share the gospel. Just to hear this, we're going to have to be brave and daring enough to reach our hand out to another person. So remember the qualities of a brave person. A brave person is compassionate. We care enough about people. We love people. We're determined, man. We're not going to let anything stop us. And we're confident in the face of fear. Confident in the face of fear. We need to act with compassion towards others and love them more than ourselves and share this good news with them. So remember who we are and what our name is and then act upon it. Remember who we are. Who are we? And your response is, we are brave. Who are we? We are brave. Okay, a few of you got it. Who are we? We are brave. 
Do you believe that's who we are? That's what we're associated with. So now we need to act upon who we are and identify with our name. So as I wrap up, I want to bring Andrews up. And hopefully you got something out of today's message. It looked like there was a lot of notes. Some of you probably panicked for a minute. But just as I've gotten older, I have to use a bigger font. <laughs> so, so anyway. But I appreciate you, Andrews. Thanks for everything you do for us, brother. I really, just, as I wrap up, I just want to encourage you in a couple of things. I want to encourage you to continue to spend time with God. As I mentioned to you earlier, it's going to take bravery to do that. And you're thinking, why do I have to be brave to open up the Bible? Do you realize how many, how many forces try to stop you from opening up that Bible? On a daily basis, things pop up. How many times you try to open up the Bible, you start reading, and the next thing you know, your mind's off on something else? All the time. Why do you think that is? See, folks, we're in a consistent battle. There's a battle for your mind and for your spirit. You've got to win that battle, and that's why you've got to be so doggedly determined to spend time with God. You have to figure out what that looks like for yourself and then implement that plan. But get before him. Spend time with him. He'll change your life. And I want to encourage you to be brave in your giving. I know we were talking about that here for a minute, and this wasn't a talk on giving, but I want you to be brave. Do you know it takes risk to trust God financially? Our world wants us to go ahead and look at how much money do you have and what do you do, what's your prestige, what's your position and, and what's your retirement plan. In reality, what matters, that you're not taking that with you. But those finances are seeds you can sow to help other people. There's nothing greater than developing that ability, ability to give. When you start giving to people, your heart changes. You become more compassionate and God will bless you. If you all could look at where I was at Oh, goodness, just 15, 16 years ago in a two-bedroom apartment with three children with debt to where we are today. God has blessed us richly, and all we've done is continue to honor Him with our sowing, putting Him first. And it's not to have greater things. Yes, God gives you abundance, but it's so that you can increase your seed to sow. You're able to touch more people. And you start to develop this heart of giving. And you start looking at every opportunity to give because your mind and your life has changed. Be brave enough to give. And lastly, be brave enough to spread the gospel. Be brave enough to spread the gospel. Are you thankful somebody shared it with you? I am. I'm so thankful. My life is so radically changed because Christ came into it. Why should we hold off from helping other people? Why not reach our hand out and invite them to church? Tell them about Jesus. So I'm wrapping this up. I pray that you all got something out of this. And I'm going to pray, then turn it over to Kenny. Lord, we just come before you today. Humble. Thankful. Appreciative. You move so mighty in our life, Lord. And we don't even deserve it. You chase us, you pursue us, you love us, Lord. Even when, even when we don't feel lovely, you love us, Lord. And you, you never reject us. There's never been a time in my life, God, when I've opened up the word and you've rejected me and say, no, son, you can't hear me today or I'm not going to talk to you today. You've done certain things and never have you rejected me, Lord. And never will you reject any of us, Lord. I pray that our hearts be receptive, Lord, that we want, we want you above all things, Lord. 
And she puts such a strong desire in her heart that we seek you, Father God. And Lord, I pray that we let loose of the financial seed that you provide to us, Lord, and that we sow to honor you, Lord, and that you're able to use these resources to touch more people. Lord, thank you for all you've done. And Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you willingly, willingly accepted the cross for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.